Melbourne newspaper for a visual world. Thank you. Uh, Hello, Buglers! <laughs> do you, uh... Do you, um... Do you respond like that whenever anyone says hello to you? Um, welcome to the Bugle Live, the three-dimensional version of the zero-dimensional podcast. This week we are live from the International Criminal Court in The Hague, in front of an audience of the world's baddest international criminals, for whom I have some very bad news. Crime has been banned. You're all going to have to get real jobs. <laughs> some of the above may not have been true. Uh, we are, in fact, live from the Okavango Delta in Botswana for the world's largest ever gathering of professional pantomime zebras! Release the lions! Uh, so I'm going to have to drink my truth potion. We are, in fact, live at the T-Mobile Arena in Las Vegas for 12 rounds of fist fighting between Andy's Altman and Thor, the Norse god of... Th- I, need, I need more. I need more. <laughs> we are at the Newtown Theatre in Edinburgh. There we go, we're in. So, let me just plug this, uh, plug this in. Um, we are in the Newtown Theatre in Edinburgh. This place has really changed in the last 50,000 years, believe me. Um, and it's about to change some more, Edinburgh, because you're about to get a new bridge. Some bridge fans in the Queen's Ferry Crossing opening to traffic next week. You can feel the excitement in the air here in Edinburgh. Uh, I'm Jewish, of course. We don't need bridges. We just wait for some, just wait for some dude to part the waters for us and stroll across. But the, uh, you Scots, obviously not quite as chosen by God as my team, so uh, you need a bridge. It's a cable-stayed structure, the new Queen's Ferry Crossing, with three towers, each 207 metres high. The overall length of the bridge, 1.7 miles, making it the longest triple-tower cable-stayed bridge in the universe! Although the length of its main span at 650 metres, only good enough to sneak into the top 20. Disappointing. Its overall length, 1,744 metres to be precise. Um, Enough to put it fourth in the longest cable-stayed bridges in the world. Just off the podium, sadly, but um, I reckon one of the top three will probably fail a drugs test at some point. Um, My money is on the Rio Antirio Bridge in Greece, currently in silver medal position, but after Ken Terrace and Thano in 2004, I don't trust the Greeks, uh, especially when they're running 200 metres very fast or crossing the sea. Uh, So um, uh, we are recording this on the 27th of August 2017, uh, making this, uh, well, the anniversary of the day in the year 410 in which the Visigoths sacked Rome. It took three days and they finished... Uh, finished. I'm just proves Rome has always been a great place for a long weekend. Uh, I assume they just ran out of ice cream. Uh, in 1883, on this day, the eruption of Krakatoa. Uh, enormous explosions destroyed the island of Krakatoa and caused years of climate change. So what is the point in me recycling my tin cans if the homosexuals are going to keep causing volcanoes like they did at Krakatoa? <laughs> Sorry, I've got to stop uh, reading uh, Christian Looney Monthly magazine. Um, um, uh, it caused a global drop in temperatures for several years, Krakatoa. So uh, we have a moral duty to do global warming, or we're letting the volcanoes win. Um, 
1896, the Anglo-Zanzibar War took place on this very day. The shortest war in global history at 38 minutes. <laughs> Uh, yes, uh, that was an away win uh, for Britain. <laughs> Still waiting for Zanzibar to pluck up the balls for the second leg on British soil. Good luck with that, you alphabet straggling losers. Um, <laughs> Maybe a bit rich coming from me, I acknowledge that. And uh, 1928 uh, was the signing on this day of the Kellogg Briand Pact, which outlawed all war in 1928. <laughs> that worked well. That worked extremely well, as well as the famous Egyptian No Pointy Mausoleums Accord of 2700 BC. Um, there's a little pyramid joke for any pyramid fans in. Uh, as always, a section of this podcast is going straight. <laughs> Testify, sisters. Uh, um, this uh, is uh, 2017. We are at the Edinburgh Fringe, and it's 70 years uh, since the first Edinburgh Festival, the first Edinburgh Fringe. 1947, was anyone there? Um, <laughs> apparently Bertie Stripes, who won the uh, Best Newcomer Award that year, has just finished paying off his agents uh, for the <laughs> cost of his run there. Um, of course, it shows the power of comedy. The Fringe began in 1947 at a time when Europe had been scarred by two world wars in the previous three and a half decades. Since then, zero more world wars. Who says comedy has no broader impact? Um, obviously, it did contribute to the rise of Islamic fundamentalism and the African famine of the mid-1980s, but on balance, the Fringe is still up. And and um, uh, announced this week was the funniest joke of the Fringe uh, Award for this year. And uh, we look back in the section of the bin on the funniest joke of the 1947 Fringe. Here is the full shortlist. What's brown and sticky? A rotting apple, which is all we've got left at the end of a week of rationing. <laughs> What's black and white and red all over? A map of Eastern Europe printed in a newspaper after the Soviet Union's post-war power grab. <laughs> Also nominated, my dog has no nose. Yeah, well, my house has no roof. We all suffered in the blitz, mate. <laughs> and completing the four-gag shortlist, doctor, doctor, I feel like a pair of curtains. Well, that's classic post-traumatic stress disorder <laughs> resulting from you having been incarcerated in a Japanese POW camp in Burma for three years. What do you mean, Doctor? What's post-traumatic stress disorder? What, what the hell is that? Oh, it's a condition often suffered by combat veterans. Bullshit, Doctor. That condition will not be labelled post-traumatic stress disorder until 1978. Good point. My mistake. So then, Doc, I repeat my question. I feel like a pair of curtains. <laughs> Tough luck. Sing a hymn or wave a flag or something. I said I feel like a pair of curtains. What should I do? I won't be drawn on that. No, it's not that. No. No, I feel like a pair of curtains. Well, maybe open yourself up. It's the 1940s. I keep it bottled up inside me. I'm British. I feel like a pair of curtains. What, are you suffering from blackouts? What, you know, because of the blackout... Pull myself together! You should be telling me to pull myself together, Doc. Let's go again. Doctor, doctor, I feel like a pair of curtains. Yeah, well, I'm a bit peckish too, mate. And if the only option is powdered eggs or a pair of curtains, I'd probably choose the pair of curtains as well. Patient, patient, I feel like a slap-up roast dinner. Frankly, Doctor, this service is f***ing appalling. Is this what I pay my taxes for? No, not yet. The National Health Service does not, does not formally come into existence until next year. Uh, thank you. Uh, you, uh, you had to be there. Um, 
Um, uh, it's time now uh, to meet our two guests for uh, this week's live bugle. Are you ready to meet our guests? Oh, good, because that would have been very awkward otherwise. <laughs> um, firstly, all the way from the world's southernmost hemisphere, a man who has not only come up snake eyes yet again at the Nobel Peace Prize this year, the warmongering Australian bastard. Only time for winners on this podcast. Actually, that's not strictly true. Generally, when people start winning things, they get fired. Uh, anyway, but please welcome the wonderful Tom Ballard. Hello, Tom. Hello, Andy. Hello, everyone. Thank you, Chris. Thank you, Tom. Oh, I should point out, Chris, Chris, producer Chris, is in the building, uh, like the Elvis Presley impersonator that he is. <laughs> Hello, Chris. Hello, Andy. How are you? I- I'm very, I'm very well, thanks. Thank you for letting me stay in your flat last night. Oh right. <laughs> Ooh. <laughs> uh, yeah, it was just a sensational. He, s- he slept on the sofa. That's the way this podcast rolls. Um, uh, how's the fringe been for you, Tom? Uh, it's been lovely, thank you. I've had a lovely time. Uh, I've had a man fall asleep in my show twice. What, what, the same guy the same came guy. back? Did he sleep twice. in different portions of the show so he got the whole of it in two goes? Pretty, no, he didn't come twice. Oh, right. I'd fall asleep both times. That would be dedication oh, he to had two, He had two snoozes in one show. Two snoozes. See, I saw him sleeping in the front row. I made fun of him. Everyone laughed at him, and, and I was crowned a god of comedy. <laughs> and then 20 minutes later, he was nodding off again. <laughs> So that says something about my act. And uh, one night there were five men in black suits in the front row, and I just want to ignore them. I, I thought there's something bad about that. And then eventually I asked them what's going on, and uh, they all worked at a restaurant, and their head chef had just died, and they'd come directly from the funeral. <laughs> so I, to quote them, better be fucking funny, pal. <laughs> and then, as a tribute to their fallen colleague, I died on my ass for <laughs> for 40 minutes. It was good. Uh, next up, completing easily, easily the bu- tallest bugle lineup in the history of the universe. It's comedian, history aficionado, the man who is to drum kits what Donald Trump is to horrifically chilling statements. In that he makes them. He, he, he genuinely owns a drum kit making business. My former host of the wrongly cancelled smash hit radio show, Seven Day Whatever Day of the Weekend, the BBC had a space it on the radio. Weighing in at none of your business, he's not a piece of meat. It's Al Murray! Hi, Andy. Hello, Al. Hello, ladies and gentlemen. (laughs) Um, (laughs) These are your people, aren't they? (laughs) This is beautiful. (laughs) People actually listen to this thing. <laughs> You've known me too long, Al. No, that's a... I thought it was a bot farm in uh, <laughs> Sri Lanka, just clicking, clicking, clicking. <laughs> well, it's my target demographic. It's where the big bucks are in global comedy. So, um, so obviously, a big part of coming to the fringe is uh, getting reviewed by publications. Uh, I've got a few of our, our reviews here. Uh, my show, um, Satirist for Hire, was... Uh, Described by Hard House Enthusiast Monthly. (laughs) One star, very disappointing. Nothing in it for the Hard House fan. (laughs) He just stood on stage and talked. No Hard House beats laid down whatsoever. (laughs) Uh, Tom's Tom's show, uh, what was it called again? Problematic. Problematic, that's it. Um, I believe the review was... (laughs) (laughs) Described as uh, very different to Schindler's List. (laughs) And... (laughs) 
<laughs> and also different to the Laughing Cavalier, the 1624 painting by Franz Howells. That was from Pointless Comparison magazine. <laughs> weird they loved me last year uh Al's show described by gratuitous violence weekly as easily murray's most violent bloodthirsty ending <laughs> pity the poor people sitting in the front row of his shows these shit i shouldn't have given that away these days um uh, uh i got, got reviewed again by today's middle class white privately educated lapsed jewish 40 something vaguely lefty sport obsessed man magazine at last someone talking our language <laughs> Uh, the Daily Mail, uh, why is the government cancelling Brexit? And um, <laughs> One Too Many Examples magazine said, uh, we particularly love the bit in the Bugle live show where Andy made up pretend reviews of shows. Um, <laughs> thank you. <laughs> anyway, <laughs> right. Um, it's good how he writes all this down, isn't it? <laughs> Chris, are you ready with a jingle? <laughs> Of course he is. He was born with jingles in his soul. <laughs> um, uh, Mr. Bo Jingles, he's known as. Um, <laughs> top story this week, uh, nutty leaders of the week. Uh, we're going to have a competition, ladies and gentlemen, to find out the world's loopiest leader. Let's, uh, now, the <laughs> Earth, of course, has uh, proven over and over again through its illustrious industry-leading career as a planet that the one thing you will never take away from us is our unique ability to put... Lunatics in positions of massive f***ing responsibility. It's one of our defining features uh, from your Caligulas and your Empresses, Woos, Zetians in your ancient worlds to the hyper-naughty megadicks of the 20th century. <laughs> and, uh, which I think is probably a nice way of... Just, just hyper-naughty megadicks is a terrible condition and... <laughs> Please go see your doctor if you see any signs. So you, you, you were the drummer in the Hyper Naughty Megadiction. <laughs> I prefer our early stuff. <laughs> uh, less loud and bangy. Um, uh, so, um, but who is top of the uh, always competitive world's looniest leader chart this week? We've got five nominations, got the winner uh, in here. You be the judge, uh, ladies and gentlemen, from these five shortlisted candidates. Uh, candidate one. Uh, all the way uh, from uh, Chechnya, Ramzan Kadyrov. So, are you, uh, you, you Kadyrov fans? Well, Chechnya, it, um, it's, it's like one of those sort of... If Chechnya didn't exist, it would be a Marvel films country that Thor has to... <laughs> that Thor has to uh, scoop up the leader's palace with, his, with Mjolnir and toss into the sun. Right? <laughs> it's like it's run by Doctor Doom. It's fantastic. I think it's fair to say that Chechnya has not won too many prizes for most relaxing place to live over the past few centuries or so, what with it having been a pawn in Russian power games since the early 18th century and a hotbed of insurrection ever since the collapse of the Soviet Union. Not to mention the fact that the people who come from there are named after the sound of of a cocking rifle. Cha-chin. <laughs> that can't help. Now... Nail the dismount. Um, now, um, Kadarov has been on particularly spectacular form this week uh, because um, he has basically said uh, that um, he's basically forcing separated couples to reunite because apparently divorce is the root of Chechen society's many problems, rather than, for example, history or him. Uh, he's, going for, uh, he's, going for, he's going for divorce, uh, as the, uh, which is a curious way to go about 
about fixing. Uh, this is chilling, though. Yeah. I mean, the, the idea that I mean, I'm divorced. <laughs> all right, mate. Well, We've it, all got stuff going on. But if I know, but, but, whatever, but, whatever he wants me to do, rather than this, I'll f***ing do it. <laughs> now will start working at the camps, as long as I'm yeah, not getting back with her. Yeah, yeah exactly. <laughs> whatever you want, I'm in. <laughs> um, now, I mean, I'm not a marriage guidance counsellor, um, as my friend thrice-divorced Mike can vehemently testify. <laughs> Mike, you need to show her you really love her. Really, Andy? And how should I do that? Buy her an abattoir. (laughs) She's a vegan, Andy. Yes, but keeping the flames of romance alive is all about surprise. (laughs) Okay, Mike, you need a display of commitment, a grand everlasting gesture. Okay, Andy, any suggestions? Yes, get a tattoo of her face done on your face. (laughs) Anyway, but if you need a threat from a despot to keep your relationship together... Surely those are some... You know, you've got probably issues as a couple that you know, are going to be hard to resolve, aren't they? Nothing says romance like government mandates. <laughs> <laughs> I knew we were going to be together when I got a letter from the government saying we are destined to be together. <laughs> but they set up a commission to oversee the enforcement of the policy, and it's called the Council for Harmonising Marriage and Family Relations, which is just one of the nicknames I have for my dick. And... Um, <laughs> And then they've set up this hotline. Apparently, separations and divorces are being reported on a hotline, which I assume is being staffed by your Auntie Margaret. <laughs> uh, OK, I've got, a, I've got a Despot's quiz for you now. OK. About uh, question one. Uh, this one's for you, Al. Uh, uh, Ramzan uh, Kadyrov's rule has been characterised by which classic combination of despotic hobbies? Is it A, an incorrigible love of free and open political debate, massive amounts of state funding for the arts, and a fanatical devotion to LGBT rights? Was it B, macrame, pitch and putt golf, zumba, line dancing and bagpuss? Or was it C, high-level corruption, a terrible human rights record, and a growing cult of personality? It's tricky, isn't it? Um, I think I'm going to... What do we think in the room? B! It's B, it's B, definitely. Yes, correct, it is B. (laughs) He absolutely loves all work by uh, Oliver Postgate. Um, (laughs) uh, Candidate two, President Buhari of Nigeria. He's been on sick leave for all but three months of the past year, but says he now can't return to work in his office because... The rats have eaten his office. Now, as excuses go, this is spectacular. There's a rat eating a bit of an office. That used to be a desk. Uh, Maybe it's a filing cabinet. I don't know. (laughs) That rat looks like it's on pills. Look at it. It's very... Oh, it's kicking in, man. Chris, is that actually a rat? That looks like a non-rat to me. I googled rat's office, and that's what came up. That's the, what a sitcom that was. I mean, it was really comedy of awkwardness rather than laugh out loud jokes. But anyway, look. And the Peabody Award goes to. <laughs> uh, <laughs> uh, anyway, um, it's. Um, I mean, it's kind of along the kind of dog ate my homework style of. Uh, I'm, I'm all. For, I think he's. I think he's onto something. If you're going to lie, what you have to do is base it on truth. And I saw a mouse once by my telly, and I couldn't watch the telly for ten minutes. So there's something in this. <laughs> that is funny. This mouse ran out, yeah. and it, it was really unsettling. And the only thing I had to hand was my iPad, and I nearly threw my iPad at the mouse. Right. 
<laughs> so, didn't. I didn't, right? The story hasn't got, like, a funny bit in it. Right. But so, so you're saying a mouse was near your telly and therefore you think rats could eat a no, president's think... office? This is the kind of logical thinking that got us into Brexit, no. isn't it? <laughs> Tiny, ro- tiny rodent around electrical equipment, yeah, puts me off. So, um, I like people are saying, oh, it's a made-up story, but I got an email from the prince of Nigeria, and <laughs> he told me that this is absolutely true, and he's asked me to transfer ten to ten, ten to $20,000 into his bank account to deal with um, uh, de-infestation de- costs. <laughs> de-infestation? Oh, God, I'm hungover. <laughs> um... Uh, he, um, uh, he's been very ill, and um, his uh, let me hear it, his his, uh, his spokesman said there's nothing at all to worry about. Uh, he is energetic, well focused, and it is clear he is enjoying excellent health. Let me just put that through my early 1980s Soviet Union translation software. <laughs> Buhari is medically dead. There we go. <laughs> um, 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 uh, <laughs> Let's move on to candidate three, Kim Jong-un. Oh, we got the fans in. It's, a, it's really brand recognition rather than actual popularity, but it's, uh, <laughs> no, it works with soft drinks and trainers, so why not with world leaders? Um, now, that is a happy dictator there. <laughs> yeah, he's, he's loving it. I mean, I, my view of Kim Jong-un, I see him very much like I see the dubstep DJ Skrillex. Um, <laughs> in that, uh, not really my thing. Don't really understand it. Don't get his choice in haircuts. But unquestionably, he's very good at what he does. Um, you know, for Skrillex, it's, you know, dubstep and electronica. Is that correct? Uh, Yesterday, uh, Andy said, I've got a joke about DJ Skrillex. And I said, no one calls him DJ what? Skrillex. Listen, listen, listen. The, I am a the cricket... The fightback starts now. I'm a, I am a cricket fan. I use people's full initials. That's just the way scorecards go. Uh, for Kim Jong-un, he's obviously very good at keeping an entire nation in poverty, ignorance and fear. Classic communist dictator triathlon. Um, and uh, on balance, I have to say... Uh, <laughs> what the f*** is that, Chris? I, I just googled Kim smiling. Oh, right. And what is that? Is that like what used to be his uncle's? That for uh, listeners at home, that is him watching over a machine that's supposed to be squirting out what may be baby food. What, what do you reckon is? Earwax. Earwax. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, never say never with Kim. Uh, probably the, the world record-breaking collection of earwax uh, to go with his, uh, his uh, granddad's brilliance on the golf course. Um, <laughs> the other guy in the photo isn't too happy about it at all. He looks very miserable. He's next. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, that's what happened to his colleague. Uh, <laughs> um, anyway, I, I think on balance, I prefer Skrillex to Kim Jong-un. Uh, but if they ever collaborate, what a parade that will be. <laughs> awesome. so, uh, so Kim has just... Uh, he's fired three missiles into the sea this Fair week. enough. Yeah. <laughs> I don't like the sea. It's cold. <laughs> don't victim-blame the Pacific cold. Ocean. <laughs> It's cold, grey, implacable. It'll swallow you up. And no one would ever even know you died in it. Yeah. F- the sea. <laughs> it's about time someone took that down a peg or two. Let's have oh, some justice. I mean, it's, got, it's got crabs in it. It's yep. got seals in it, which is nothing more than souped-up otters. <laughs> right? Test 
always speak the truth. The sea. <laughs> you, you, you don't feel, you gotta feel so... Truth to power, right there. <laughs> the sea has one function, which is keeping David Attenborough in work. <laughs> and he can't have long left. <laughs> oh, oh, come on! He's going to be executed. He's a disgrace to this country. Made an entire career out of zebra snuff movies and hardcore insect porn. Filth. Utter filth. Um, this used to be such a nice show. I think uh, you've got to feel sorry for the fish in the sea. Like, they'd just be swimming along and they're just... <laughs> like, oh, what did we do? Fish want to be deep fried. <laughs> That's their best condition, deep fried, right? So he's doing the fish a favour and he's taking it to the sea. What? Was he like Poseidon? <laughs> Neptune, yeah, whatever your name is. <laughs> That's an obvious tax dodge, isn't it? Yeah. <laughs> it's got different oceans under different names. And the number of offshore accounts. Yay! Oh, Lordy. He can do them spontaneously as well. <laughs> Let's move on to candidate four, Donald Trump. Uh, always uh, your friend and mine, always in the running. There he is once again playing his darts. Um, <laughs> um, uh, I mean, America used to not feature that high in the global loonies scale, but he's, uh, he's really dang, laying down some serious funk. <laughs> Yeah. <laughs> it's almost impossible to say anything about him, isn't it? Because he, yes. he's outmanoeuvring even you. Yeah. <laughs> what, in bullshit terms? Yes. I mean, that's, I like to think we're raising each other's games. You know, it's, uh, it's like uh, Carl Lewis and Mike Powell in the 1991 World Long Jump Final. My, my favourite picture of his hair is the one with the, from, from here, when he's in St Andrews and the guy had the balloon. Have you seen that picture? <laughs> Someone got a staticky balloon and put it over his head. <laughs> Google Donald Trump static hair or something like that. It's, it's brilliant. That was fake physics. I am. <laughs> um, now, one of... Uh, he's, <laughs> he's lost another one of his key um, team of... <laughs> um, <laughs> Mr... Mr. Mr. Gorka. Um, <laughs> no, I believe he's moving on to be a <laughs> in the private sector. <laughs> Team of, of course, the, uh, it's going to be the big, big selling sequel to Game of Thrones. Um, <laughs> uh, so Gorka's. I mean, is there anyone left now from Trump's uh, like su the support? They're pulling out all the support loonies from underneath. So it's going to be like a wily well, coyote. Like when, the, when the Sinister Six fall out with each other, when Electro uh, tells the Scorpion that he's no longer interested in um, working together, and then the Rhino... Uh, this is... No, the rhino, rhino has The Rhino and Venom fall out. With, with, all, with all due respect, Al, what the f*** are you talking about? The Sinister Six. What, who are they? Talk, talk about cricket well, statistics from, from the 60s like a normal person. <laughs> Yeah. They're from, they're from my reality, Andy, and right. I've arrived in yours. <laughs> Where this Donald Trump bloke's president, which seems pretty unlikely. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> um, no, Gorka, Gorka, I mean, the thing about him is he's sort of the political equi equivalent of that minicab driver who ended up on the news on the BBC. You know, what the f*** was he doing there? <laughs> and and who, who even is he? And what? And... Uh? 
and ah, that's about it, basically. I don't really have anything sensible to say about him because he's, we shouldn't dignify him with your blade of satire. <laughs> Trump, Trump was a big fan, apparently. He, he said uh, that Axios reported that Trump raved about Gorka's performances, telling colleagues he had no idea what Gorka actually did, but loved him on TV. <laughs> so in Trump eyes, Gorka's like Kim Kardashian. It's like, I don't know what he does, but I just like the vibe. Well, that, that is how America voted last November, basically, yeah. isn't it? That is exa- the exact rationale behind the people of America speaking, by which I mean the people of America saying, we prefer Hillary, but in a geographically inconvenient way. <laughs> So we should uh, we should we're going to talk a bit about the pardoning uh, Joe Arpaio. Yeah. The sheriff. Well, he's a controversial sheriff, isn't he? Yeah, right. the best kind a, of sheriff. But, well, in the news, he's, in, the, in news, contro- used in the news environment, the word controversial yeah. means f***ing massive shit law. <laughs> right? Normally, controversial means like pineapple on pizza. Right. Right. That's, yeah. that's is, a controversy. That is globalisation gone mad. Let me say that. There's no place for that. But look at it. Yeah, yeah. yeah. He's, the, he's the racial profiling guy, isn't he? Yes. That doesn't also, narrow him down in America, does it? <laughs> well, he looks the type. <laughs> what? It was crazy that, like, he, he, was, he was charged with contempt of court, which is what Trump pardoned him for. But, like, back in the 90s and stuff, the way he instituted justice was nuts. He reintroduced chain gangs in Arizona, like, brought that shit back. Right, because they've had a bit of a, well, a checkered reputation from history, haven't they? Yeah, they <laughs> so make quote the global society for massive understatements. <laughs> they increased coordination amongst uh, prisoners, I don't know. Um, <laughs> But that's also that's like bringing back people in the stocks and throwing rotten fruit, which I think you know. But we've got the Edinburgh Fringe for that. Yeah. <laughs> Two stars, Broadway baby. <laughs> Not enough cantaloupes. Um, um, <laughs> right, we need to uh, we need to crack on uh, with uh, next story. Chris Jingle. Uh, Weak beer news now. Uh, Alice Bugle's official beer correspondent. Yes, this is news from the front line of binge drinking booze Britain. Uh, the country is not as pissed as it thinks it is. Uh, uh, Carling Black Label, uh, or Carling, formerly Car- Carling Black Label. I bet he drinks Carling Black Label. Remember that the the Dan Buster's advert, which made light of this horrific <laughs> event. Um, it's the British way, of course. <laughs> Well, they started it. It's been caught with... It's been... <laughs> Carling Black Label has been caught with its alcoholic trousers down like a reveler caught short on a Friday night behind a skip because Carling is, in fact, not 4% strength, as advertised, but is, in fact... Right, which is too strong to be a session beer. Um, too weak as to wreck you right off, right? Um, it's actually been brewed at 3.7% all along. Ooh. Yeah, yeah. Now, yes, of course, so Carling's a beer no one admits to drinking that lots of people drink, <laughs> right? But they're not as pissed as they thought they were. And the reason they've done this, is it out of concern for their drinkers? Is it for the good of the country's moral constitution? No. It's a tax dodge. <laughs> Coors have done it, so they pay less duty on the Carling Black, on the Carling, because right. it's 3.7%, not 4%, and they claim they're not misleading drinkers. Right. I'm not, so, I mean, you know, if you can't ba- trust the most basic, ordinary lager... What can you trust? This is, <laughs> this is my Watergate moment. This is my, <laughs> this is my parallax view, glimpse through the f- 
fucking Matrix moment. <laughs> Beer isn't what it says it is. So not only has, have you been 10% less drunk uh, than, than you thought... Yes. Um, uh, ..but also uh, simultaneously underfunding public services all the time. <laughs> so basically, every time you be, anyone here has been drinking Carling, you've been shutting down schools and hospitals. <laughs> I hope you're pleased with yourself. Tom, you are the official um, uh, dog excrement correspondent for the Bugle. Um, what have you got for us this week? Yeah, I mean, finally I've got a story. Um, <laughs> it's a very niche brief, I have. <laughs> uh, social Justice Poo News, right-wing outfit Protest Prayer have cancelled their free speech rally, in quotes, in San Francisco this weekend after hundreds of counter-protesters promised to cover the park where the rally, where the rally was going to take place in dog poo. Some people declare their intention to stockpile their dog's plops for days in advance and then deliver them in bags for the site. It was too much for the neo-Nazis and they cancelled the rally. And truly, Andy, this was an example of poopal power. And, uh, I mean, it really, really is a blow to the fast shits. If the rally had gone ahead, there'd certainly be brown shirts. Hitler, more like Schittler. White supremacists, more like shite supremacists. Ironically, if left out in the sun, the little protest logs would eventually turn white. <laughs> Not a pun, still hilarious. But seriously, hopefully after this we see the number of those white supremacists, uh, will, they'll, they'll be droppings. And uh, all in all, I think we could say the good people of San Francisco show that they're for the many, not the poo. <laughs> Thank you. <laughs> Is it too late for me to get the award? <laughs> Andy, your next show starts in 19 minutes. Oh, right, okay. So, um, by the way, is anyone. No, it doesn't. Is anyone. <laughs> is, is anyone here coming to that show? Yeah. Oh, okay. So. Well, let's just do it right here. <laughs> Can Andy get a lift? <laughs> <laughs> so, uh, right, let's move on to uh, the very always funny story of net migration <laughs> statistics. Uh, so, uh, net migration has fallen to the lowest level for three years after a surge in EU nationals fleeing the UK after... Uh, oh, f*** off, everyone else votes. Yeah, well, when, I, when I ran for Parliament two years ago... Um, on behalf of the EU, SSR, Zio, Con, Lib, La Blonde, BBC <laughs> establishment, paid for by EU gold, right, for my cousin David Cameron. Um, one of the... That is why I did it. Well, a, gag, a gag we did at the time was, uh, people are coming to this great country because it is a great country. Leave it with me to sort this out. Right? <laughs> now... Far be it for me on a bugle to suggest that satire has any actual power. <laughs> but Stomy, I was right. It, yeah. It's, it's f***ing worked. <laughs> but it's very distressing from a British point of view that uh, you know, all these you know, skilled people are, are leaving and we may, have to, we may have to invest in our own national future at some point. And that is emphatically not what being British is all about. It's all about stealing other countries' futures ready-made. That's what we're... 
base this nation on. I'm pretty sure the whole of the UK is just going to be like Edinburgh the day after the fringe finishes. Yes, it'll be quieter, you'll have more control, but you'll have a dearth of Swedish jugglers. <laughs> is that a price you're prepared to pay? <laughs> There's a story that the Home Office has been holding back figures on uh, uh, students who overstay their visa, and previously they were saying it was 100,000 students overstayed on their visa, and that was being added to the net migration figure. But they've, it since turns out it's 4,000. Not 100,000, it's 4,000. Now, but this is a thing, this, the, the, I can't remember who the Home Secretary was 18 months ago. Uh, uh, um, <laughs> someone, uh, another, oh! That's, that's the one. Um, yeah. Now, I don't know, because she's, she's always hung on to this, May has always hung on to this, it's the thing that she wants to... Um, Stop is this student figure that the student students can't be anyway. I, I, I can't explain it. I think what well, I, I know it's too much for some people. This <laughs> particular truth bomb smashing the establishment. So he can't even find a way out. He's so disoriented with the, with the truth cascading down on him. Like a, he's, he's trying to make it to Andy show. <laughs> <laughs> but. I mean, where, where does May's antipathy to foreign students come from? I think she must have been... She must have worked in a shop when she was 17 and 20 French exchange students in cagoules came in, stole all the pick-and-mix and said, F*** off roast beef. Well, in fact, I mean, that's a bit from her autobiography. It says this. Uh, I used to work in a shop and two French students came in and said... Um, <laughs> Roast beef. I mean, te technically, I was just echoing the, her getting numbers wrong. I thought structurally that was a sound joke, but... Uh, um, but it's, that, that, it's not that big a mistake, is it? It's 95,000 students. Like, when... That's not important. No-one's ever been like, oh, we don't have 95,000 students to do something. How will we possibly cope? <laughs> students. Get a job, hippies. It's <laughs> a good point. Well made. Thank you. I mean, I... I think what this all indicates is that May is some sort of universal Uatu the Watcher-style genius. Right? <laughs> Uatu the Watcher. Uatu the Watcher. Right. Who simply watches what happens in the universe and doesn't interfere with really? it. Really? Right? There's people That's who know exactly shit what I'm talking about. That, what the, no, he's not a superhero. He's, oh, one right. of the, he's one of the Watchers. Oh, right, OK. He lives on the moon. Right. And they very dabbles, rarely... Dabbles very, as a line judge in tennis. Yeah, very... Yes. <laughs> They're not allowed to interfere in human affairs. Does I mean, the pub landlord audience know that you're a f***ing nerdo? <laughs> I do everything to hide it. Um, but it, she's, it's like she's on a mission to drive the Tory party into the ground. She's wrecked, wrecked them in an election. I don't know, who's she doing this for, though? I mean, is it the Cree, the Chitauri? Is it <laughs> the Inhumans? Who is it? I guess we may never know. <laughs> uh, well, we need to move on to the regular part of the live bugle. So we have, uh, what, about five minutes left of the gig, I think? Um, four. Four minutes left of the gig. Um, I'm going to have to edit those puns down. You, Chris! Um, uh, the audience question and answer session. Uh, so, Al, Tom, have you got any questions for the audience? Um, yeah, which statues would you like to see torn down, uh, as is the vogue currently? Chris, pick someone to answer that question on behalf of everyone else. Bill Shankly statue at Anfield, because it should be outside Westminster. The, the Bill Shankly statue wow. at... Anfield. Well, at Anfield, where he was the Liverpool football manager. It should be outside Westminster because, to, because he because, managed the Conservative Party football team in the 1980s. Because of his socialist values. Oh, I see, his socialist... Everton fan. Socialist values. <laughs> That's not going to happen, let's be honest. Is it a socialist value to score more goals than... Surely socialist value would just be to draw all your matches. <laughs> nil, nil. 
<laughs> Tom, have you got a question for the audience? Uh, did anyone see my show? <laughs> right. So uh, I need to uh, need to finish that. That's that's gone. That's gone. Uh, here we are. So uh, uh, <laughs> I can't I can't do a live show without pun. Or maybe Tom's puns will do. Do you want to? Um, no. Okay. No. No. So, no, no. We'll finish with. Um, because the best show I saw this year was a, was a blues music show. And uh, I remember when I first got into the blues... Strap in, everybody! Uh, there's, a, there's some chairs there if you need them, guys. Um, or a desk if you just want to sit with your head in your hands. Um, uh, I remember when I first got into the blues, I got invited to an evening of blues and First World War photography. I was looking at some pictures of the Battle of Passchendaele. Sparked up a conversation with someone. Look at those conditions. It must have never stopped raining. Yup, he replied. It was a muddy war, sir, to say the least. Muddy war, to, muddy war to say the least. Anyway, my old, uh, pod... My old, uh... <laughs> Don't copy my jokes. Right. My old podcast partner was with me, but he was sitting in the corner listening to the music, That's smoking flavoured... Flavoured... <laughs> flavoured tobacco out of one of those big Persian-style pipes. I wanted him to stop. I said, John, leave hooker. Uh, your, uh... Your new... Your... Your... Here's the... That's the. What is that? What is that? Is that the sequel to Rodan's The Thinker? Realizing, oh, <laughs> it is that bad. Um, <laughs> for those listening at home, Chris is doing his. Is, are you, will you put the pictures up on uh, on the Twitter feed again? Or on the Facebook. With pleasure. Feed? Excellent. <laughs> for, uh, anyway, uh, John was with his newscast uh, uh, newscaster buddy, Mr. Blitzer. Blitzer started banging on about his conspiracy theory that top blues singers were all working for the KJB in the 1950s. They're linked to Moscow. I'm sure of it. He said. I replied, How linked, Wolf? <laughs> How linked, Wolf? Anyway, he got furious and physically attacked me. <laughs> so this is not my best. It's not my best side. Not my best jokes. Sorry. Anyway, um, uh, he got furious and physically attacked me. He was sticking his stomach out. He led belly first. <laughs> hey. Anyway, I stayed with. Uh, I stayed with uh, I stayed with John in New York. He has a little baby boy, uh, but I think his, uh, his little baby was trying to steal my laptop. Um, he's only a baby, but I really think he might grow up to be a robber, Johnson. <laughs> oh what? come on, Robert Johnson, the Godfather no, of the blues. He said robber. I know, but you have to suspend <laughs> critical Any faculties. Taste whatsoever. Uh, anyway. Um, John, of course, uh, he has to control his nerves with uh, alcohol and drugs. He used to drink a popular American beer and then take a tab of ecstasy. He was a Bud E guy. But uh, he's obviously doing pretty well now, John. Uh, he's he's a bit better off, uh, a bit better off than I am financially. He's a little richer than me. Um, but. Uh, I don't say that well, though. Uh, sometimes go to his gigs and throw fruit at him. In fact, I once chucked berries at him. Um. <laughs> anyway, uh, I, know I had another friend. He picked up a, an STD, caused a horrible burning sensation in his, uh, you know, uh, uh, his, uh, you know, anyway. He said to me, it's my Willie. Dick's on fire. I mean, Willie Dixon is maybe a niche. Uh, anyway, f*** you. Uh, 
Um, anyway, um, I had to take a break. Went to France uh, for a fortnight to relax. To keep my anonymity, I, I used to wear big fake pelicans bills. Uh, I had six, six of these beaks labelled A through to E with the oldest first. But the airline lost the oldest four of them en route. Uh, but I still, uh, still enjoyed myself, though. I called it my Bill E holiday. Um, right. And... Uh, do you know, um... Please explain. Uh, oh. <laughs> and finally, uh... Uh, finally... <laughs> uh, no one believes I you. I was expecting a round of... I was, I was expecting a round of applause there. Usually when I do those jokes, um, the crowd clap and then claps some more. They, uh, last time I did it, they clapped on. There you go. That is the end, Buglers. That standing ovation is correct. Thank you to Al Murray, to Tom Ballard. I have to run to another gig. Thank you for coming, Buglers. Good afternoon. See some of you at the stand in six minutes. Bye. Hi, it's producer Chris from The Bugle here. Did you know that I have a new series of my podcast, Richie Firth, Travel Hacker, out now? It's the show where Richie Firth and I talk about how to make travel better in our very special way. In this series, we discuss line bikes, Teslas, the London Overground, and a whole bunch of other random stuff that possibly involves wheels or tracks or engines of some variety. God, what a hot sell this is. I mean, you, you, you must be so excited. Listen now. <laughs>